let the children come. Don't dare drive them away. And then the kingdom comes. Hear the holy, foolish things they say. The springtime of their life decides the adults they'll become. So let the children come. Please let the children come. Welcome to Children's Bible Journey. With stories and songs just for kids. We have a dramatized Bible story coming up. So let's get today's program started by singing praises to our awesome God. What is God like? Some people think that God is unfair. Others believe He's mean or stingy or that He doesn't really care about them. Lots of kids even grow up thinking that God is mad at them. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says God is good. That's right. And because He's good, we know He's kind, patient, forgiving, loving, and much more. I'm so thankful to know what God is like. Aren't you? Psalm 107, verses 1 and 8. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever.
you that even when things look bad, you're still good. For his unfailing love and his sure makes your heart feel happy. We'll do some more singing in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing Bible story from the Bible in Living Sound. We have been greatly blessed, my brother. Once we were dirty with long matted hair. Our minds were in possession of demons. We were the fear of all men. Now we are transformed into decent citizens. By the power of Jesus, we were transformed. Uh, true, my brother. And it has become my opinion that nothing but the power of Jesus can transform a man. I'm sure of it. We're a good example of what that power can do. We must tell everyone. I hear that Jesus is coming back to Decapolis. Here? He'll be mobbed. The people will... Are you sure he's coming here? Positive. Well, we'd better notify our master. He may want to try to save this herd of swine. He's the one that told me. Was he angry? Did he seem to resent them? But master, perhaps we should not go through Gergesa. It was there the swine ran into the sea. The people were angry, remember? They chased us out of the country. And besides, Master, they are heathen, not worthy of thy concern. We shall go into Galilee by way of Gergeson. Perhaps the Master's right, Peter. They are heathen. They did chase us away. But, my dear Peter, Jesus left behind two messengers. Two messengers? The two demoniacs, whom Jesus healed, remember? Jesus told them to stay and spread the news of their salvation. If they have obeyed Jesus, the people of Gergesa may be ready, or even anxious, to see and hear Jesus. Yes, they may, and they may not. They are not of our race, and they are heathen. I wouldn't count on their joyful greeting of Jesus. We shall see. At a time like this, you're hungry. Well, you're not going to eat. You're going with me to see that man, Jesus, who heals all sorts of diseases. He can heal you if you just... Oh, I forgot. You can't hear. Well, come on. You are going. Come on. Yes, we are. If I have to carry you. I could go...
sir, uh, this man cannot hear, neither can he talk plainly. His tongue, well, he stammers. Wilt thou please heal him? Follow me. The master is taking him aside to heal him, even though these people are heathen. Do you not yet know, Peter, that the master never refuses to hear the sincere cry of a needy one, whatever, whoever he may be? I can hear! I can talk! I'm cured! Friends, do you realize I'm cured? I hear the birds. They sing. Wonderful. I hear you, my friends, and I can talk as plainly as any of you. He did it, the great healer. I love him. Jesus went up into a mountain, and there multitudes from Gergesa and Decapolis flocked to him, bringing their sick and lame and laying them at his feet. He healed them all, and the people, heathen as they were, glorified the God of Israel. For three days they continued to throng about Jesus, sleeping at night in the open air and during the day pressing close, eager to hear the words of Jesus and to see his works. My beloved disciples, I have compassion on the multitude. They have been with me now for three days and have nothing to eat. I will not send them away fasting, lest they faint along the way. Master, how can we get enough bread here in the wilderness to feed so many people? How many loaves have ye, Judas? Oh, seven and a few little fish. Go ye among the people and command them to sit. Evidently the master is going to feed them. But how? With only seven loaves and a few small fish? Have you forgotten so quickly, my dear Peter? How Jesus fed a larger crowd than this with only five loaves and two fish? Oh, but that was different, my young John. The master bids you to be seated right here on the grass. Oh, those people were Israelites, worthy to be fed by the master's blessing. But these people are heathen, worthy of no consideration or blessing. Uh, you are to be seated on the grass. The master commands... As he had done at Bethsaida, so did Jesus here. He fed the multitude, gathered up afterwards seven baskets of fragments, and Jesus sent them away with glad and grateful hearts. In Jerusalem, Caiaphas, high priest, was talking to a mixed group of Pharisees and Sadducees. Pharisees, Sadducees, you have long been of different opinions. One of you courts the favor of our people in their hatred of the Romans. You long to be rid of the Roman yoke. The other represents the rich. You are the party of the priests, the skeptics and aristocracy of the nation. You have been enemies. But now comes the time to join forces. Together we must get rid of the man from Nazareth. We must find occasion to kill him. I am therefore appointing some from each group to go to Jesus and ask of him a miracle to prove his authority. 
Jesus of Nazareth, if thou truly be the Son of God, we would desire a sign from heaven to prove it. When it is evening, ye say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O oh, ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the times? A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh a sign. There shall be no sign, except the sign of the prophet Jonah. The master is walking away, leaving. What did the master mean, Peter, except the sign of the prophet Jonah? Perhaps he... Uh, I, I don't know, John. As Jonah was three days in the belly of a whale, so shall the Son of Man be three days in the heart of the earth. Continue the Bible story tomorrow. And if you would like to add these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible in Living Sound at 1 800 634 0234. That's 1 800 634 0234. Now, here's some more music before we have to say goodbye. Why are you sitting under this tree looking like you don't have a friend in this whole world? <sighs> because I don't have a friend in this whole world. What about Alita? Isn't she your friend? She used to be. Now she thinks she's in love with Carl and doesn't have time for me. What about Caitlin? 
I've seen you guys hanging out. We're not speaking. Long story. Dana? You once said that Dana was the perfect friend. I was wrong. So you're just going to sit here being depressed? That's my plan. Rico, being depressed isn't good for you. It makes you sit under trees and sigh all day long. You stop doing stuff, which means you don't get any exercise. You start eating junk food like ice cream and donuts, which make you fat. You start getting bad grades in school. And soon, you're a little old, fat, grouchy lady living in a cabin in the woods talking to raccoons. Sounds good to me. Come on, stop being depressed. How? Well, first of all, let's go for a walk. That'll get your blood flowing, and that'll take the oxygen to your brain and make you feel better. Then we'll stop by Habib's Market and buy some mangoes. You love mangoes. Then we'll pass by Dana's house and throw a brick through her window. <laughs> Sam, you really know how to cheer me up. You're a pretty good friend. Hey, I thought you didn't have any friends in this whole world. I was wrong. I've got you. And don't you forget it, girl. By the way, do you have any money? Mr. Habib doesn't give mangoes away, you know. I have to buy my own mango? Hey, it's your depression. God has given us everything we need to be healthy inside and out. During Creation Week, He established a health plan for every creature on earth. To learn more about healthy living and about the God who created us all, go to kidsbibleinfo.com. That's kidsbibleinfo.com. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. Boys and girls, this is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Boy on a Warm School Roof by Leslie Moore When young Mr. Lowe faced the 7th and 8th grade class for the first time one bright fall morning, 23 pairs of eyes stared back at him. Some were friendly, some curious, some mischievous, and a few hostile. Mr. Lowe immediately spotted Monty McFall on the back row. Monty was short and stocky, and he was slumped in his seat. He appraised his new teacher with a cool, insolent stare while his jaws obviously and deliberately worked on a wad of gum. Mr. Lowe was worried, and for a good reason. These students had gone through three teachers in the previous year. All of the teachers had had years of experience, but they hadn't been able to control this class. Mr. Lowe was still a very new teacher. How would he be able to manage such a difficult class? Monty McFall was the ringleader. Mr. Lowe was well aware of that. All three of last year's teachers had told him so. The boy shouldn't have been allowed to remain in the school, but his father was a member of the school board, and so Monty stayed. And there he sat now, chewing away, ready to force another teacher to resign. Mr. Lowe said, Monty, we do not allow gum in the classroom. Please put it in the wastebasket. Monty remained slumped in his seat, his jaws working methodically as though he hadn't heard. The class swung around to look at him and then back to Mr. Lowe to see what he would do. One or two snickers broke the stillness. Purposefully, without repeating this request, Mr. Lowe strode toward the rear of the room. He saw Monty's eyes flicker uncertainly. When Mr. Lowe was still a couple of paces from his desk, Monty slouched to his feet, scowled at the teacher, ambled over to the wastebasket in the corner, stalled for a couple of final exaggerated chews, and then loudly spat the gum into the basket. There were more snickers from Monty's friends. 
Mr. Lowe thought he saw the barest suggestion of a grin on Monty's face as the boy shuffled back to his seat. In the days that followed, Mr. Lowe began to wonder if he too would have to resign. Trouble there was, and plenty of it, and Monty McFall was usually in the middle of it. If Mr. Lowe looked down at his desk or turned around to the board, spitwads would begin to fly, girls had their hair pulled, and boys left their seats bent on mischief. The desks in that room, it seemed, would not close quietly. No student could walk to their seat without being tripped or accidentally treading on someone's toes. Whatever their faults, the students loved to sing. They sang well, and Mr. Lowe soon discovered that this was one way to restore calm and order to his class. Many a time when the noise and mischief became too troublesome, he would raise his hand and stop the lesson. Math, history, geography, and science were frequently punctuated by the old rugged cross, the church in the wildwood, I come to the garden alone, or what a friend we have in Jesus. Soon, even the troublemakers would be drawn into the cheerful singing, and when the lesson resumed, peace and order would prevail, at least for a few minutes. But Monty seldom sang. He would just sit there, a disdainful smile on his lips, devising some new mischief to torment his teacher. Mr. Lowe was waiting for Monty's crowning act of defiance. He had been told to expect it. It was the act that led directly to the last teacher's resignation. Sooner or later, Monty would climb up on the school roof and refuse to come down. He was careful to do this on the side away from the road. That's because one day he had been on the roof entertaining the school and the passers-by while his teacher commanded, pleaded, begged, cajoled, and threatened. Unfortunately, a police car had come along just then, and Monty had been rather badly humiliated. So from then on, he performed on the side of the roof away from the road. Well, the last teacher before Mr. Lowe had been unwise enough to climb up after Monty. To the huge delight of the other pupils, he rapidly proved that a plumpish middle-aged man is no match for a healthy, active 13-year-old boy. The chase ended when the teacher lost his balance and very nearly fell off the roof. He did lose whatever remnants of dignity and authority he had retained until then. He did not come to school the next day. Monty did. Sure enough, one day, it happened. The afternoon recess was almost over when a half-dozen youngsters burst into Mr. Lowe's tiny office and said, Please, sir, come quickly. Monty McFall's on the roof. Oh, is he? Mr. Lowe smiled. I hope he's enjoying himself. I shouldn't like to be perched on a steep, corrugated iron roof on a hot afternoon like this. Mr. Lowe looked at his watch. Anyhow, recess is over now. He stood up and walked out onto the playground, trailed by a group of students. A crowd of boys and girls stood gazing up at the roof where Monty sat enjoying their attention. With barely a glance at the roof, Mr. Lowe rang the bell for the end of recess. For a moment, no one moved, so he called out pleasantly, Recess is over. Please form your line. He received many mystified looks as the students fell into line and marched into their classroom. Mr. Lowe launched into American history as though nothing in the world was the matter. Now and then he would be interrupted by the drumming of heels over his head. Mr. Lowe would pause a moment and the noise would soon cease. Drumming one's heels on a steep roof and keeping one's balance is neither comfortable nor entertaining when it produces no response. Eventually, class curiosity could contain itself no longer. Ernie Pratt raised his hand. Please, sir, aren't you going to do anything about Monty? 
I don't think so, Ernie, Mr. Lowe responded. If Monty prefers to spend the last hour of school toasting himself on that warm roof, why should I interfere? The classroom is so much quieter this way. It can't be very comfortable up there, you know. In fact, I almost feel sorry for Monty. I wish we could cool him off a little. At that moment, inspiration struck Mr. Lowe. Why, yes, he continued. I think there is something I can do for him. Excuse me for a moment while I make a telephone call. You may all read to the bottom of page 64. Ernie's jaw had sagged a little, and it remained that way as Mr. Lowe stepped into his office. One of Mr. Lowe's neighbors was fire marshal, and during a recent chat over the backyard fence, he had mentioned something about the need for more practice for some members of his crew. Mr. Lowe's call did not take him long, and judging by the smile on his face when he returned, it was satisfactory. Ten minutes later, Joey Ferris, who sat by the window, suddenly interrupted the story Mr. Lowe was telling about Abraham Lincoln. Sir, there's a fire engine stopped opposite the school. Oh, is there? Mr. Lowe continued his story as though fire engines stopping outside the school were to be expected every day. Sir, they are connecting a hose to the hydrant. Joey's voice took on a note of extra urgency. Several of the boys jumped up and rushed to the window. Since Mr. Lowe did not reprimand them, the whole class was soon clustered at the windows. Sir, sir, they're bringing the hose in the gate, Joey fairly squealed. Just then, the pump motor came to life. Two firefighters holding the nozzle directed a jet of water in a graceful arc up onto the roof. The water sounded like thunder on the metal. The students could trace its progress as the firefighters steadily swept it back and forth along the length of the roof. They also heard Monty's outraged howl when the jet first landed. Hey, what's happening? But the remainder was drowned almost literally by the water on the roof. Monty's yell was succeeded by sounds of slithering and bumping. Suddenly, his legs appeared in the curtain of water that was now cascading off the edge of the roof. They waved wildly as they searched for one of the porch posts. In another moment, a drenched and very angry young man faced Mr. Lowe. You'll pay for this, you will, Monty spluttered. I'll have my dad after you. He's twice as big as you are. That last statement was just about true. And he'll see you're fired. Monty was hopping from one foot to the other in his tantrum. Most of the children were laughing, this time at him. Mr. Lowe was not smiling now. Monty McFall, you will leave these school grounds at once, and you will not come back until you are prepared to behave properly. If your father wishes to discuss this matter with me, he knows where I live. Now go. Mr. Lowe pointed to the gate with his left hand. Monty's father did not call on Mr. Lowe that evening. When school began the next morning, a rather sheepish Monty was present with a mumbled apology from Mr. Lowe. No, Monty's reformation wasn't instantaneous or complete. Bad habits aren't broken so easily as that. But new respect for Mr. Lowe showed in his manner, and the 7th and 8th grade class was much better behaved from that day on. And when they sang songs in class, guess who joined the chorus and belted out, I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. The story you have heard today is from God's Greatest Stories, written by various authors and compiled by Randy Fischel and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. 
If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Let the children come. Don't dare drive them away And then the kingdom comes Hear the holy foolish things they say The springtime of their life decides The adults they'll become So let the children come Please let the children come Children's Bible Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Lifetalk Radio at lifetalk.net.